listeners, welcome to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho. And today's episode, we want to talk about uh, plays that haunt us. Uh, what are plays that have haunted us? Meaning, you know, what's stuck with you for days, months, weeks, even years uh, after long, since long been seen or heard? Um, or plays that you haven't written yet, kind of the ideas are stewing in your mind. So that's sort of the theme of the episode uh, today. Yeah. So plays that uh, haunt you, Sam, what are they? (laughs) You know, one thing that I'm thinking about lately is Antigonic by um, Anne Carson, which is um, an adaptation of Antigone by Oedipus and she has this beautiful book that she created, which has these translucent or transparent pages um, made of, it looks like tracing paper. And then you can kind of see these illustrations and then the text through them um, or vice versa. And I actually did see a production of, of that, but the, but the book itself seems like its own thing. And I often wonder what it would feel like to create um, a performance that felt the way that that book feels. Mm. Um, And I think about that a lot when I think about adaptation and how you can create a new entity that that is both an adaptation of the original, but also kind of exists in its own space. And then I also think a lot about how the production um, is only one version of a play. And when you have a beautiful book like that, that is its own thing and can be experienced as, you know, a three-dimensional object rather than a performance Mm. in time, um, there are all these different selves of a play Um, that can simultaneously exist in the world. And so that's not really like, I don't know if that's exactly what you're thinking of, but. Mm -hmm. No, 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 that's, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, when I was like thinking of this topic, it came about because I was just thinking about plays that sort of, or stories or, what you just talking about just something that I don't know why just why it sticks with us for some reason um like just the other day like I was thinking of a time and I think I've mentioned this on the show but I think one of the first like big play productions I saw growing up was uh the play adaptation of Charlotte's Web oh yeah you have talked about that yeah and that I don't know why, like after all these years, it just comes to me. I would randomly think about it and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've read the book when I was a kid. I saw the movie and, but something about the play adaptation just stuck with me in ways I didn't understand. One, maybe because when I was young, I was like, oh, cool. We're skipping class to go to another (laughs) school for a field trip. Yeah. Um, something different, something special. Something special, something different, right. And, and then sitting there, but I just remember even going in, seeing the play. I knew the story. I knew that the pig 
uh, Wilbur and his friend, the spider, Charlotte. Charlotte's going to die. Spoiler alert. You know, I knew all. <laughs> I knew it. I just knew the story. And I knew it was a sad story. And, like, I still cried. I still felt things. And I left with feeling like, wow, that was such a, like, an amazing experience. And I felt it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so I don't know why that I go back to that play for some reason. All this, yeah. After all these years. What do you remember about it, about watching that play specifically? Like what moments? Mm-hmm. I remember, um, so the way the spider would come out, it was mm-hmm. like a projection. It was like the light would come on this, the corner of the stage. So that's where you knew the spider or Charlotte was speaking. So she was like, the light was kind of flickering cool. and you see. And um, the little girl was obviously being played by a teenager, <laughs> but the little girl, the main the character she's kind of like running around it's like oh Wilbur Wilbur you know (laughs) um, it was like very exaggerated and I was like that's not how I thought you know the movie and the book was but okay and then you have um, the pig which was played by a person dressed like a pig and kind of Mm -hmm. like running around the stage Um, Wilbur so I thought yeah I don't know it was it and it was short. Like, I think it was, like, a 45-minute play. I just remember it was, like, someone's lunchtime. <laughs> like, it was, we are watching it the yeah. lunch hour of, of the school or something. And so it was, like, a very short play, too. But I feel like it had took all those beats of that emotional moment and just sort of put it there. And and I guess cool. as a kid, the, the information was succinct. Like, I understood enough like I it wasn't I wasn't bombarded by all the different things and all the storylines or anything it was just a very simple story about a friendship and that obviously could probably resonate with me because I had friends at the time (laughs) (laughs) I think that people who do um theater education will be really gratified to hear you talk about this because I think sometimes I know I have wondered whether the plays I do for children will ever stick with them or whether they'll, they'll ever remember that, you know, it's just one day in their life of many, many, many days. Mm -hmm. So that's good news that it stuck with you. Yeah. For so long. And ultimately maybe was part of the reason you went into this profession. Oh, geez. (laughs) So that production of Charlotte's Charlotte's web. Web. For getting Sarah Cho into the theater. Oh, no. Do you feel haunted by plays you haven't written? All the time. Really? Yeah. I. Every day I'm just thinking, I just, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I just feel like not every day, but almost every day, uh, there's just like pigments of ideas. Yeah. And that I'm like, Oh, I need to write down or I'll grab my phone. I'll talk out loud, record the idea. But they're all just scattered all over my life. They're in different notebooks, yeah. my computer, my phone. There's no uh, organized way of doing it because I feel like ideas just come at me sometimes. And I'm like, oh, that's a good – that will be a good sketch. Oh, that will be a good joke pitch or that's a good um, story for a play or a screenplay. Actually, one screenplay I'm working on – that I've been working on, I feel like for four years, I was like researching and it's because it's a, like a historical story. It's a biopic. 
uh, and there's and there's not a lot of information out there either um, mm-hmm. about these individuals. And so I'm like been researching and researching, finding, collecting. But they're also the information is just so overwhelming sometimes that I'm like, okay, I need to take a break, um, and we'll look at it for weeks, and I'll come back at it. And so in that sense, it's haunting me because. I want to finish this. Like I want to finish yeah. this. And I I feel like it's like this incomplete thing in my life that if I I'll just never be satisfied if I don't finish it, you know? Yeah. And so I mean, I just the other day I kind of just sat down and I was like, you know, I can't at some point you have to just stop collecting and researching. You're just like I got to right. write this. And so I wrote like the first 20 pages and then I was just like I just kind of like, okay, I did it. I'm going to step back from this again because it was a lot. Um, it's hard to know about when's the best time in a when you're writing a play like that mm-hmm. to stop researching and start writing. Or, I, I mean, I yeah. think some people write halfway and then only then do they begin their research, you know, because mm-hmm. they want to get a shape of the story in mind first before they start researching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started this with an outline and I I accidentally misspelled or used a wrong name for one of the the individuals or one of the characters that uh the story was involved that involved in the story and I had to like go back and change it when I found like another interview like a first Mm -hmm. person source and I had to Oh, like this is a person's name. Okay, I'm have to go back and change it all, and then re, like in that sense, I was like, kind of waiting a bit was helpful. Otherwise, I think I would have kind of messed everything up, um, in the writing, because I just had the wrong information to start with. Yeah. yeah. Are there other plays that you think you know at one point you were going to write them, but now you know that you will never write them? Because that's what I think about when I think about plays, like unwritten plays haunting me. Mm-hmm. I think there are plays that I have, play ideas that I have probably abandoned forever, even though at one time I thought about writing them. Oh. You know what I mean? But you didn't even start writing. It was just an idea. Or maybe I wrote a page, uh-huh. you know, but, yeah. but it was when I was 25 and now I'm 32 oh. and I just know that like I'm never going to write that play because – that play belongs. Oh okay, this reminds to me an earlier self. Okay, so this reminds me a story. It was called Jack and Jill, and uh-huh. this girl Jill was obsessed with Jack the Ripper stories. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think I remember this because didn't you have a character in Monopoly who was obsessed with Jack the Ripper? I think so. Yeah, I think I had a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one of the sisters. Yeah, yeah. But then that and that that. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, no. Well, that's, I mean, that, and that came from that place of like, <laughs> like long time ago. Yeah. Early 20s, maybe like even earlier. I, I was like thinking of a story like Jack the Rip, like Jack the Ripper and Jack and Jill. And then this, and that fairy tale, that story structure. And I was like, ah, maybe I could do something here. That's that I was being so mm-hmm. clever. But I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that raises the question to me of, of all of the, ghost twins of the plays that we have written Mm. like I think when I'm starting a play there are many different shapes it could take and 
I often have this blossoming of images and ideas, but then when I actually get further into the writing of the play, those other versions of the play die off Mm. and now can never exist because they're like the same idea, but, but, you know, distorted somehow. And they're like the other versions of the play I did write. Mm. And, and I think about that a lot, especially when I go back to early notebooks that I, you know, was writing in when I started a play, I think about, oh my gosh, I remember when this play was going to be this totally other thing. Mm. And I had to kill that other thing in order to write the play that now exists. And that's such a weird thing to think about. Yeah. I feel like I, I would love to bring on a psychologist or something like why, you know, (laughs) it was like creative, like how ideas work in our minds, how, yeah. What moves forward, what does it? I mean, I'm sure it's just like us growing and changing and but like I yeah, I it they manifest in other ways. Like I'll find that idea prop like sometimes I would forget, you know, that I even thought right. about that idea, but it just crops up in a, another player right later on. Like what you said right. that that whole Jack the Ripper girl obsessed with it in Monopoly my other play Monopoly that yeah that un- Jack the Ripper thing was like years ago you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I don't know it's so it's weird so this question I had um, reached out <laughs> in a Facebook group um, and it I received amazing responses like I think I don't know I, it was too many to count and I loved them all um, and you asked, what are the plays that yeah, haunt what you? what are the plays that haunt you? Uh, and, and then it was removed for some... <laughs> um, because it was deemed to be um, self-promotion, yeah. which went against the guidelines of yes. this particular group on Facebook. Yes. So I was like, okay, cool. And I went to another Facebook group. Um to the uh, unofficial playwrights Facebook group, which was very nice and forgiving. Uh, And I (laughs) reached out and y'all gave me some really great responses there as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, like if you responded to that post, uh, the first first one, one, in fact, the the post, which is now haunting us, we could say say. the the phantom post, Uh, which is haunting us, which no longer exists. Feel free to reach us out on social media on our page or our Instagram, Twitter uh, to answer this question as well. And, you know, we love to share it on our next or future episodes for sure. We love hearing from all the playwrights who respond to our yes. posts. So thank you. Um, so in the first one I'm going to share uh, from Rand Higby, he says, Mark Midoff's uh, Children of a Lesser God. I am reminded writing that of this that we just lost Mark earlier this year. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he passed away. I was like, I didn't know the, the writer, mm-hmm. the playwright uh, passed away, but um, a notable, uh, influential writer when they pass away, I'm I find myself thinking about their work because I I just think like wow yeah. they, that work made such an impact culturally. And then I know when like when Sam Shepard passed away, 
I was like, holy crap. Like, first of all, I kept thinking about our life being so, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Mortal. Brief. Brief. <laughs> temporary. And I was just like, holy cow. Yeah. And and so I was just like looking at Sam Shepard's work, just kind of like perusing all the pages of the different plays and just looking at the different lines. I'm like, from all his plays. Like, it was just weird. Like, I... Like, he was my friend. I lost my friend. I was, like, grieving. But it's not like I – I don't know. Like, I I don't love him that way. God. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think anybody was accusing you of that. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I was, like, chair-picking the lines and, like, looking. And, yeah, I – yeah. Are there any Sam Shepard plays that haunt oh, you? Oh, I mean – I already know the answer to this. Let's say at the same time. Three, two, okay. one. Fairy child. Fairy child. <laughs> okay, I said it first. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. No, if that's I, true. I think it's true. That's definitely the one play, and I think I mentioned on the show like countless times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have. Yeah. Um, well, and that play is literally about a kind of haunting, mm-hmm. isn't it? A family secret yeah. haunting them all. I know this is going to sound sad, but I do think too these writers have to die in order for us to appreciate them <laughs> like even more. I don't know. Really? I so. There's just something yeah. about recognizing after they pass away that you're like, Oh, there's this appreciation that you kind of find yourself in that. Uh, I mean, yeah. When he was alive, I was like, I didn't, I didn't care much. Like, yeah, that's a good work. That's a good work. But as soon as he left, I was like, Holy cow. Like this was actually a really great play that did make an impact on me and like yeah well and then you can see the shape of a life when somebody dies you can see you kind of look at their life in some totally i still saw the movie children of a lesser god when i was a kid yeah i've never seen that. yeah i mean i think i was i think i was too young to watch this movie like i should not have been allowed to watch this movie when i was like eight or nine years old but i saw the movie and i was like oh man like i i feel like that was the day like the innocent sarah died and i was just i don't know oh i was my like gosh when you I, were so, I was like that like i i was i wasn't as naive oh, or something i just started questioning everything i don't know i remember children of a lesser god the movie and i was like thinking this is no bueno i mean not not the movie i mean in, wow. like i'm not saying the movie was great yeah. but i was just saying how it affected me was no bueno <laughs> um well, thanks, Rand Higby, yeah, thank for sharing that. Shall I read? Oh, maybe I'll read a Tony Timbasco's. Um, yeah. Honest to goodness answer is a play I saw in the unlikeliest of places. I was working as a carpenter in the Brown Ledge Camp Theater Department in the summer of 99. My first ever theater gig. Nice. And I remember one of the plays we did there as one of the best I've ever seen and which challenged my then burgeoning ideas of what theater could be. We did one full-length play each term of camp, and the other weeks of the term, we staged three or four one-acts. Usually this was some mix of slightly longer one-acts and a 10-minute. One of those plays was a stage adaptation of Rad Bradbury's short story, All Summer in a Day. I don't know if it was a published adaptation or if the director did it, herself but it was an expressionist choral movement piece with minimalist sets and lighting that brought the words to life in a way that a more straightforward staging could not have done 
uh, 10 minute play at a summer camp 20 years ago and it stays with me. Some days it taunts me, you'll never do anything this good. And some days inspire me to imagine big. So I guess that qualifies as haunted. That is so cool. Do you know the Do you know the Ray no. Bradbury story mm-hmm. all summer in a day? I know this because I've taught it to my yeah. creative writing students. It's about this. Um, it takes place in the future, as do many of Bradbury stories, and it's about this classroom of children on, I think, on the planet Venus. This is long before we knew much about Venus, and so he's kind of imagining what the surface of Venus is like, as he and he imagines it. Um, this kind of gray jungle where it rains every day of every year, except one day every seven years, the sun comes out. And the story is about this classroom of children um, on the day that the sun comes out. And I'm going to spoil it, so spoiler (laughs) alert. But um, there's this one girl in the class who remembers what the sun looks like because she used to live on Earth. And the children in the class are all imagining what the sun will look like. And she tells them what it actually looks like. And they don't believe her. And they're so mad at her for saying what the sun is like because they're jealous that she remembers that they shut her up in a closet as a joke. And then the sun comes out and they forget to let her out and they go play around in the sunshine and have a great time. And then it starts raining again. And then they remember that they shut her up in the closet <laughs> and it's going to be seven more years until she gets to see the sun and it's what? like super it's sad it's a short and story. kind of wow. it's a short story okay i need to read this yeah it's really good and really sad and um you know kind of about how horrible children mm. can be to each other but i can imagine this play as an expressionist choral movement piece i can imagine that being really beautiful mm. and incredible hmm. when it's in minimal as i made me think of um that, like i mentioned earlier about charlotte's web the play i saw it there wasn't much on the stage mm-hmm. either it wasn't like elaborate sets or anything it was just you know you have the the pig pen pen you know we're starting to place and then the barn mm-hmm. or some like idea of it but it was the most most of the stage was so bare and there's just a lot of the actors using their bodies performing and being, you know, exaggerating and their emotions and actions and stuff. But, but yeah, there's something about even like the most, um, the simplest stage could have such a, a larger impact to the, the play. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I see here sometimes, (laughs) <laughs> sometimes you're haunted by bad plays <laughs> I'm definitely sometimes haunted by bad plays um and and I find myself thinking a lot about plays that are bad <laughs> whether because they're just like not very well executed or because they're offensive or because they're um kind of I don't know, just boring. And I, I can't, it's funny. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head specific, but often I find myself when I'm writing, think about thinking about things that I want to work against, whether it's something that I found really outrageous. It upset me, you know, and so I'm driven to write something in response to it or, 
I, I could, but, but then on the other hand, like sometimes you see something that is, is so beautiful in its, in its like uh-huh. inadequacy, right. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's reaching for something really big and, and maybe they didn't have, um, the budget or the skill to execute mm-hmm. what they were envisioning, but you can see what they're reaching for. And that can be yeah. so inspiring, I think. Um, yeah. Um, so I find myself being haunted mm-hmm. by things like that too. I think sometimes I get haunted by, um, when and not in terms of plate that's bad, but what you just said that it's, um, it just didn't have the resource it needed, you know, or things. And then, like, sometimes mm-hmm. I watch a play. I think I saw a lot of plays a few years ago at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. And I was just thinking this, oh, I see the potential of what you're trying to do here with this play. But I was just thinking, like, oh, maybe we just needed this a little more. I feel like sometimes it was rushed, like, because Fringe is yeah. sort of like you're doing it all yourself you find the new work and the spirit of the french festival is amazing but i think that people who put it up or the writers behind it because the the time is so intensive that you rush all the the, mm-hmm. the details or like even just another like you overlook the whole process of rewriting like taking that time to develop it just a bit more and and rewrite it just a few more times because yeah, sometimes yeah. like oh, if this was yeah. I've seen so many plays that are just kind of um, lost its. I don't want to say its chance, but the opportunity. But then on the other hand, I think there's something really cool about staging, producing first drafts yeah. because there's such a emphasis right now on workshopping plays over and over and over again, making them really kind mm-hmm. of smooth and. Um, tying up all the loose ends and 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 there's something wonderful about messy first drafts where you go on for way <laughs> too long about one idea you know or like you bring up some idea that's kind of half baked and it you never return to it again um, because you can see the portrait of that writer's mind in that particular moment whereas when you work on a play over many years um, I think all those edges that are particular to a that are specific to a particular time get smoothed over and instead you get a kind of clean portrait of a writer's mind over many years rather than something that captures them a bit more raw and yeah yeah Yeah, definitely I, I just yeah I feel like when I was younger and um my writing was a lot more spontaneous but more loose free and kind of wild I don't know like but then I don't know I think it's like as I got older I got more conscious and like more it's like I now I just feel like I'm constantly overthinking things that I wish I wasn't yeah me too. And I think a lot of the plays that haunt me that are unwritten are ones that I refused the idea too quickly because I thought I went, I played it out in my mind to, to how it could become boring. <laughs> and then I never wrote it, you know? Um, 
You know, something that haunts me, this is a complete um, non sequitur, but something that haunts me, and this could be a whole other conversation about things from the early days of the internet that are now lost forever, but there was this website of short fiction pieces that were animated, and this must have been from the early 2000s because I remember finding it when I was still living with my parents when I was in high school, but I cannot for the life of me remember what this website was called, but they would take these stories and they would animate them with sound and image. Um, not like, not like they were telling the story through animation, but there would be some kind of design elements or, um, you know, kind of artistically arranged photographs or something on the webpage at, at a time when the internet was very slow and I was using dial-up and this seemed really amazing. <laughs> I mean, now I'm sure it would look kind of hokey, but there was this story about a boy living by the seaside and his mother sent him to get fish and, you know, he came back without a fish or something. I mean, that was the whole story. And then she beat him and it was really sad. Um, but it was so beautifully arranged and you would kind of click through it and see each part of the story. And there was the sound of waves crashing and it, you'd get one sentence on the page and then another sentence would appear and then another <laughs> sentence would appear, which now of course sounds really, um, we see this all the time on the internet, but at the time it was a completely new way to encounter fiction you mean it for me. And I'm so haunted by that story. I cannot remember what it was called. I cannot remember the writer's name. Yeah. I don't remember the I'm name of the website. I'm trying to like imagine website. this. Are you, is it kind of like a meme? Like, are you saying that it's like a meme? I don't know. <laughs> no, it was so much more beautiful <laughs> than a meme. It was like you'd click on the title and then you would hear the sound of waves and you'd see the, you know, the, yeah. some kind of artistically mm. rendered fish and then you'd see the first sentence of the story. Right. Oh, and there was music. I mean, it was just like a very kind of audio-rich experience. Um, and it, and that piece has haunted me for so many years because I think it doesn't exist anymore. And the mm -hmm. internet does that to us. Yeah, remember, over and over again. Um, just the other day, I was looking up trying to remember all like these internet websites i used to go to as a kid like homestar runner fanfiction.net um <laughs> Christian room which was yeah. like this interactive game where you it's like a click and point game it's like a murder mystery thing like i just remember all of these Whoa. like internet things that came out when i was young and i would go to because a friend told me about it and i'm just like yeah. They're kind of all just gone. And they're just yeah, gone. It's, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. 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 It's really sad. These are, I mean, because when we were coming of age, the internet, it felt mm. much more like a place than now it feels like it's just completely integrated yeah. into our lives in a different way. But, but I remember being, you know, in seventh grade and, and, there were these places online that felt like real places, and now those yeah. places are gone. Crazy. Those are those are like artifacts. <laughs> One of like the earliest internet age. Yeah, and they're all kind of disappeared or gone, or they're all morphed into something else. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. you're right. 
now it just feels everything feels like an ad on the line to me yeah. Oh. yeah well that was the episode of the plays that haunt us folks <laughs> things that haunt us <laughs> thank you so much to all of the people on facebook who commented about the plays that haunt you and keep sharing yes. we want to know you more. so much and on to glistens Okay. I'll go first. I saw last night here at Interlochen the high school musical, which was nine to five. Oh. And based on the Dolly yeah. Parton movie, you know, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. They did a fantastic job. I think it was maybe one of the best productions by mm-hmm. high schoolers I've ever seen. Um, just like the production value here and the talent is out of this world. I'm amazed that that was all high school students. Um, but also the show is just so much fun. It was really a great time. Amazing. Oh, yeah. So How about you, Sarah? Listens. Listeners, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes we pre-record our episodes ahead of time. I, spoiler <laughs> alert. But... <laughs> And so there are times where we don't record, but then like time has passed and so much has happened. And I'm like, oh, that was such a good, that'll be a good mm-hmm. glisten. I'll write it down. And and another thing happens. Oh, that's such a great glisten. I got to share it to Sam and I write it down and forget it. Um, so all is to say that uh, there's a lot of glistens, but no glistens. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I'll share one. What? Okay. That was such a big build up. Um, So, (laughs) um, I guess the glisten I'm like trying to think that I'm want to share is I started binge watching the show called Misfits. It is a it's a Mm -hmm. it's pretty old, um, but it's it's like a BBC show. It's British. And it's about about these five kids, these young teenager, young adults, all are in. They're like really bad, or just have, um, you know, ones like did drugs. One, you know, to accidentally burn down a house or try to start a fire. It's kind of like a Breakfast Club. It's kind of like wow. a group of just really bad teenagers or something, all kind of coming together to do this community service. And a big storm hits. Mm-hmm that causes all of them to have superpowers <laughs> and they're all like, and it's so raunchy. It's very gritty. It's dark, bleak, but so funny. And I just started watching it because a coworker recommended it to me. And I was just like, I cannot stop watching it. This is amazing show. It's on Hulu. Um, all four seasons was on BBC and then it got canceled. And then the fifth season Hulu was like, we'll give them a fifth season to finish it off. So, um, I'm on season two right now. I binged all of season one yesterday. Um, yeah. If, wow. It, it really that sounds is really good. good. Really dirty. <laughs> Very foul. But I love it. I love <laughs> it. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, yeah. But that's my glisten. And you shared yours. And our time together has yeah. come to an end. Yeah. <laughs>
And stay tuned for our next episode, listeners, because we are actually yes! going to be in the I same am going to so. Michigan. And I'm going to see Sam. Yes. And we're going to be actually in the same place. For the first time since 2015, <laughs> we'll record Yes, an I know. Because this person. entire time, we've been in two different places. So this is going to be amazing. Um, yeah. So stay tuned, folks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to share your experience yes. on social media. Subscribe, review, share your an episode or two to your friends. And yeah. All right, thanks for listening. Yeah. And have a good week. Bye.